Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now large crowds were traveling with them, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. (coughs) For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. What king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple. If you do not give up all your possessions. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please just invite our children up. At Table Talk this week, one of the topics we talked about was the importance of coming to church and what it means to not just your own faith, but to the faith of those around you. You you might come to church and think, well, I'm not getting anything out of it. But you don't know about your neighbor who appreciates hearing your voice, hearing, seeing you next to them, having somebody to sit with. Your presence in church matters, even though you might not think it does. And your presence in church every week is also very important because you never know when your pastor is going to announce that we're having another child. Traditionally, the weeks we don't have communion are very low attendance Sundays, and it's kind of great to see so many of you here today, and you can share in this good news, and remind your neighbors who are not here the importance of coming every week, because you never know when things like this get to be shared. The un- the, the, we have impeccable timing as pastors. The, the new baby is due around March 5th, which is right in the middle of Lent. <laughs> So we'll figure that all out coming. I will be here for Holy Week and Easter um, as long as the baby is not like four weeks late. But if that's the case, we're going to have lots more issues to deal with than that. It's actually six weeks late. So um, please keep us in your prayers. We, it's, we just finished the, the one trimester, so we haven't had the, the next sonogram. So we're still kind of a little nervous about everything like that, but it's kind of fun. And Diane will be at the church picnic today, so you can make sure you give her... A hug, and especially give Thomas a hug. He's been watching a lot of Daniel Tiger when Margaret was born, and um, has been really excited. So it's a fun, funny time to be. Um, so let's get on with this message. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. It would appear on the surface that none of us are ready or able to be a disciple of Jesus. I can tell you right now, I'm not giving up my retirement, I'm not giving up my paycheck, I'm not giving up my home, I'm not giving up my car, I'm not giving up my clothes. 
I am by the literal meaning of this verse cannot be a disciple of Jesus. And yet here I am, an ordained person, an ordained pastor in Christ's church. It's amazing that so many love to claim that they're literalists of the Bible until we get to passages like this one. Well, clearly Jesus was only, he was speaking in a metaphor here, but not anywhere else in the Bible. This is why I, I'm not, I don't consider myself a literalist, but I am one, but I'm by no means any less devoted to my belief of what is written in this holy book. There are metaphors, and we need to carefully read the Bible. We did not only understand the words that are on the page, but we need to also understand the world behind the text. We need to understand the context. We need to know the whole picture. Otherwise, you get the passages like Matthew 16 and think that Jesus has turned Peter into a rock, which is not the case. So what is Jesus trying to tell his disciples about discipleship? The world of the text tells us that Jesus has his face pointed towards Jerusalem. He is making his way to the place where he will be martyred, killed on a cross. His followers must be prepared to leave everything behind and make their commitment to Jesus. As complete and all-consuming as Jesus' own devotion to his mission has been and will be. That the demands of discipleship are more than just signing up to be a member. You have to be ready to stand firm. And rather than luring in unsuspecting disciples into the group with unconsidered commitments, Jesus warns the crowd in advance that the way of discipleship will not be easy. Notice the three phrases he uses in verse 26. He says, whoever comes to me and does not cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, <coughs> so none of you, so therefore none of you can become my disciples if you do not. Whoever does not renounce family ties, bears one's cross, and forsakes possessions cannot be my disciple. And in the first century world, demands like these would have been equally as demanding as they are today, if not more. They would have been so countercultural that it is a wonder that anybody followed Jesus after chapter 14. Discipleship requires a denunciation of all that we have. Disciples who cannot do this, on the surface anyway, are as useless as salt without salinity. So let's break down this first requirement of discipleship. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Most of the commentaries I read think that Jesus is using in hyperbole here. The very word that, he, that we translate as hate does not mean anger or hostility as it does in our modern day lexicon, but indicates that it that if there is a conflict, one's response to the demands of discipleship must take precedent over even the most sacred of human relationships. But what if this is not a hyperbole? What if this really happens? What if your father or your mother turns you into the authorities for being a Christian? What if your spouse leaves you because of your, of your conversion to Christianity? What do you do? Do you turn to your family or do you turn to your Savior? When put, to the when put to reality, this hyperbole is really no longer hyperbole. For there is no duty greater, higher than the commitment to Jesus and to, his, and to being his disciple. Not even life itself. 
Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Notice Jesus does not say bear a cross. Jesus is looking for people to pick up the cross. There's a big difference between bearing a cross and picking one up. One will cost you time and one will cost you your life. The second requirement has me really wondering if Jesus is speaking in hyperbole or if he's dead serious about discipleship. Disciples need to put Jesus before family and they must be willing to not just bear the cross as Simon of Cyrene did for Jesus, but they must take it up when called upon to do so. And then there are the possessions. If you cannot get past hating one's family, or taking up one's cross? Are you willing to put God before your financial well-being? Are you willing to put your wallet where your cross is? In some ways, Jesus has laid out an impossible task for his followers. And no one can become a disciple. And that is bad news. But remember, we're, we're the good news people. There is good news in the fact that Jesus is not this day looking for a 100% guarantee from his followers. He is not asking his disciples to sign a contract in blood. The language of the cross-bearing has been corrupted by so-called disciples and preachers for centuries. You know, a great example of this are those who demand baptism only be offered to people who can make a public profession. I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. But they ignore passages like this one that makes discipleship, faith in Jesus Christ, almost near impossible. If we could do it on our own, we would not need Jesus. Faith is does play a major part in baptism, whether it be of an infant or an adult, but the Holy Spirit is the one who is moving and doing this vital work, not ourselves. It is God and God alone who does the work of baptism. And this past week, I was talking to a man in Aldi's of all places about being born again. And he asked me if I was, and I told him, yes, of course, I've been baptized. And he, he asked when, and I replied, as a child. And he said, no, that doesn't count. I really don't like people who say those kinds of things. You know, I'm a pastor of Christ Church. I read and study the Bible every day. I have dedicated my life to being a follower of Jesus and helping people on in their journey of faith. Yet there are times when I doubt there are times when my faith is not a salad, yet the Holy Spirit ignores my faults and failures, has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and, kept, and keeps me in the true faith, just as he calls, gathers, and lights, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth in the one common true faith. You know, Jesus is not looking for 100% guarantee because he will never find it in any other human other than himself. Rather, Jesus is calling for each person who would be a disciple to consider in advance what that commitment requires. That we stop watering down discipleship into something that will make you successful, beyond and rich, beyond your imaginations. That is void of any suffering. That we stop trying to sell discipleship like a used car. It is not a great deal, but it is something that will save your life. The cost of discipleship is paid by in many different kinds of currency. For some people, a redirection of time and energy is required. For others, a change in a personal relationship, a change in vocation, or a commitment of financial resources. But for each person, the call of discipleship is all-consuming. A complete change of priorities is required of all who would be disciples. No part-time disciples are needed. No partial commitments are accepted. It's either all or nothing. 
So may the Holy Spirit give you the strength and the will to give it your all this day, to make discipleship all that it is about.